Hey everyone, before we get started on this week's episode, which is a great one by the way, I had such a blast talking to April about positioning service-based businesses. I wanted to share a quick and exciting announcement. Next month, March 2023, I will be flying out to New York to talk at SAS Open about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. When do you know it's time to hire a chief marketing officer? And importantly, how do you know if you should hire someone in-house versus hire a fractional chief marketing officer? So if you want to come and see me speak, plus a bunch of other amazing marketers like Adrian Barnes and Corey Haynes, you can get $2,000, $2,000 knocked off of the total ticket price. There's not many left, but there are a few. If you head over to the SAS Open website and you use the promotional code B2BBetter, all one word, you can get two grand knocked off today. So I'm going to drop the link to the website in the description of this episode. But for now, let's get started. Modern marketing advice for complex businesses. This is B2BBetter. So I'm not one of these people who will read business book after business book. In fact, I could probably count on one hand how many business books I've been able to finish in the last two years. But there is one that has a permanent residency on my office desk. And that is Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. And the title does the content justice. I've read it cover to cover at least four times and I find myself flipping through the pages at least on a weekly basis. What is it that makes this book so good? Well, it distills down what I think a lot of people overcomplicate as a subject, which is positioning. How do you position your product? How do you position your company to stand out, particularly if you exist in a saturated market? It's really tough to do. But April, based on her 25 plus years working as a senior marketing executive from startups to enterprise B2B technology companies, has developed a really simple, really actionable framework. I've got the book in front of me right now, and it it comes in at just under 190 pages. You can read it in an afternoon. It really is fantastic. But for years, having since read this book, I have been somewhat perplexed because April comes at the subject from a product perspective. If you have a technology product, how can you position it effectively? My background as a marketer has always been working in services or solution-based businesses. And I always wanted to ask her, is there a difference? If you're selling a service, if you're selling a solution, does that change how you go about positioning your company positioning your offering so i reached out to her on linkedin after seeing her at sastock speak in dublin a couple of months ago and i asked her to come on the podcast to talk about it and here's what she had to say let's say you're just services so i've worked with a handful of companies that do custom development stuff like they're a custom dev shop so they, they build you anything and then you're like well how do you position that then the trick on that if you look at my methodology the first step is, well, you know, if they, if they didn't go with you, who would they go? And so there's other 
services companies that look like you. And there might be some big multinational ones that if you got all kinds of budget, you go with them. And there might be some little mom and pop shop ones. And then there's maybe you in the middle, let's say you're in the middle. And then you got ones that kind of look like you. So you could maybe lay out the competitive landscape that way. And then the next step is capabilities. So that's tricky because in a product, the feature is either there or it's not, <laughs> and then, you know, whereas in services, it's like, well, I could hire somebody that knows how to do that. And then we'd have that capability. But here's the thing, what we're trying to get at is defining the story for your best fit customer, why they should pick you. And the reality is, even if you're a custom dev shop, they shouldn't pick you for everything because there's all kinds of stuff you don't know how to do. Right. I did a workshop once with a company and their specialization was headless commerce systems, which is pretty cool. But, you know, any anything outside of headless commerce, are they the right guys to pick? No, they're not. They're not actually the right people for that because they don't have that much experience doing. Like if you had, if what you wanted was a Shopify store, would you pick them? No, <laughs> you shouldn't. But if you wanted some customized bespoke thing, whatever, they're amazing at that. So when we talked about capabilities, it was really around like, what do we do better than the other folks? Where do we have more experience than the other folks? And so when we went through that list of capabilities, it included things like, you know, we're really, really good at commerce tools and not a lot of people, you know, and so we have a hundred people that are certified on commerce tools. Like That's a lot. And no other custom dev shop has that really. And then they also had, um, deep experience doing these really fancy things for retail. And so they could talk about that. And not only that, they had a methodology for building one of these things that, that was really smart and included a bunch of stuff that maybe you haven't thought of. So when a sales pitch, they would talk about this stuff. And it was one of the reasons to pick them is because we're highly experienced in this. We have people that do this. And the, the value of all that is you are less likely to have a project that's going to fail. And so they can charge top dollars for, for that because everybody's big worry when they're doing some weird thing is that we're going to have a product that's going, project that's going to fail. So if it's pure services, we're trying to get in at what can we do that the other folks can't. And then the next step, which is what is the value of that? For some companies that are pure services, that is a very hard conversation because they don't want to say they don't do anything. <laughs> But the reality is you got to put yourself in the shoes of a customer. Like if I'm a customer, I don't want to pick the people that can do anything. I want to pick the people that are going to ensure me that this thing I'm doing is going to work. So what if I'm trying, if I want a mobile app, I want the mobile app guys. If I'm doing a bespoke retail commerce thing, I want the bespoke retail commerce people. If I'm just doing a little thing that's super easy and I just want to pay the less the least amount for it, then I'm going to the cheap, cheap, cheap guys. And I'm not going to pay for any of your specialized, whatever, whatever. That's what we're trying to get at. Now, where we have product and services, you know, we're kind of doing a mix of the two. So a lot of the times we're treating the services like a feature in the offering. So 
you know, we would say, look, like, you know, one of one of the differentiated features we have is we have a team of experts that will come in and configure the thing for you. <laughs> What's the value of that? You don't have to do it yourself. You're not going to mess it up. <laughs> we're going to ensure the thing works, you know, or we're going to have a dedicated support person and other guys don't have that. And so a lot of times the reason why we have services wrapper around it is because there just isn't that much differentiating in the product itself. But the way we deliver the product and the way we ensure that you're gonna be successful is the differentiator. So we spend a lot of time talking about the services wrapper around that. If you have a marketing problem that you just can't seem to unstick, B2B Better is here to help. Whether it's analyzing your existing strategy to figure out what's generating ROI and where there's wasted spend, whether it's installing a system that generates high-intent leads that convert into long-term pipeline, or if you need help equipping your team with the frameworks, training, and support that they need for scalable success, my strategic marketing advisory firm works exclusively with B2B solution providers to turn their marketing from a cost center to a profit driver. If you want to organize a free, no-strings-attached consultation call to talk through the marketing challenges keeping you up at night, visit www.b2b-better.com to book something in with me this afternoon. I'll also leave a link in the description of this episode, or you can reach out to me at jason at b2b-better.com. Thanks. If I had to put a finger on the most valuable part of the Obviously Awesome book, and I know I'm giving the book a lot of love, and just to be totally clear, April has not paid me. This is not a sponsored podcast episode. It is just a seriously killer piece of business literature. If I had to pick the most valuable uh, part of the book, at least for me, it would be the five components of positioning that April outlines quite early on um, in the piece. And it just as a framework, really makes it easy to articulate exactly what it is we do as an organization, why we're special, which customers we're best equipped to serve, and what market it is that we intend to win. Here's April breaking down each of those five components. I like to think about positioning as we can break it down into five component pieces. The first component is competitive alternatives. So, you know, if you didn't exist, what would, what would the company be doing? Competitive alternatives tend to fall into two categories. It's status quo solution. So, you know, what are they doing to solve the problem right now? And then the second thing is anything that lands on a short list against you. You can think about it as what do we got to beat in order to win a deal? So that's the first component. Second component is differentiated capabilities. So this can be feature function of the product if we're a product company or capabilities of the company, which would include like, you know, innovative pricing strategies or service strategies, things like things that you have that the folks don't that aren't necessarily just features. So it's features and capabilities of the company. The next one is differentiated value. So Customers actually don't care about features. They buy you for the value that you can deliver that no one else can. It's the so what of the features, like so what for my business. So that's the third component, differentiated value. The fourth one is target or best fit customers. So we have a product, we're going after a market. Our product isn't perfect for everybody. 
there's a particular subset of that market that we think we're really well suited for. So that's our best fit customer, the target customers we're trying to go after. And then the last one is market category. So the best way to think about market category, I think is like context setting. It's the context that we position a product in such that customers, the customers that we're trying to go after kind of understand the value that we can deliver. So it's a, it's a little bit also like the answer to the question, what are you? Are you email? Are you a spreadsheet? Are you a robot? Like, what are you? And so that's the market category. Close your eyes for a moment and just listen to the sound of my voice as I describe a scenario that may sound all too familiar. Your marketing team always seems really busy. You're blowing through budget, yet nothing seems to stick. Maybe your current customers love you, but new prospects just can't quite figure you out. You've got long sales cycles, low success rates, and you're losing out to competition. New customers churn as quickly as they're able, and they're always complaining that you're too expensive. You, my friend, have a positioning problem. You do what any responsible marketer would do and try and fix it. You pick up the phone and you speak to a few customers. You drop in on the next sales meeting and you ask them, what's going on out there? And you pull it all together into a deck called Our New Positioning that you send out to everybody, but nobody reads it. Nothing changes. And another six months goes by before all the fingers end up pointing at you, saying, it's your fault. So that got a little bit headspacey there for a second, but hopefully it illustrated my point, which is that positioning is not a marketing activity. It is a company activity. It needs all stakeholders involved from executive leadership to sales to product to customer success and yes marketing as well the reason why marketing is usually the function that is leading a positioning exercise or at least instigating a positioning exercise is because we are the ones that feel bad positioning the worst. April summed this up really nicely. I'm going to bring it back in again. At the beginning, I really thought of positioning as being a marketing thing. Like, you know, in marketing, we like it's our job in marketing to communicate the differentiated value of our offerings. So that felt like a marketing thing to me. So I thought, well, if we're going to do positioning marketing, we'll just figure that out. But here's the thing. <laughs> position let's think about positioning as that fundamental input so if we think about it that way well what what is it we're defining in positioning we're defining well who do we actually compete against how are we different what is the value we can deliver that no one else can and therefore who are the customers we're going to go after and then therefore what market category do we think we're going to go win in because your market category is the context you position your product in now, I've worked on companies where the market category, we've shifted that a lot. So I worked on one very early in my career where we thought we were desktop productivity software, like a spreadsheet. And then that didn't work, it was a total failure. <laughs> and then, but you know, in working with the handful of customers that did love our stuff, what came out of that was, you know, we could take the same product and reposition it as an embeddable database for mobile devices. 
pretty different. Now, imagine you're working at a startup and, and you're going to make this decision. We're, we're no longer a spreadsheet, man. Now we're an embeddable database for mobile devices. Do you think the CEO cares about that decision? Of course he does. <laughs> like, do you think the head of product cares about that? Yes. Do you think development cares about? Yes. <laughs> so we don't get to just make this decision inside marketing. So that's the first thing, right? Like what comes out of this positioning actually has big implications for the strategy of the company in some cases. The second thing is that we are not we don't have complete information in the marketing department about what's going on. So even if we're to sit down and build positioning in the first place, the result that we get is always going to be better if we bring in the knowledge that we have across the organization. So for example, if I, again, if I go back to the piece parts of positioning, one of those is competitive alternatives, right? So what would a customer do if we didn't exist? Well, if you have a sales team, sales knows the answer to that question intimately because they know what the company is using as a status quo. They also know who else ends up on a short list because they're selling against them every day. And that's part of their discovery to ask those questions. So they would know that very, very, very well. The flip side of it is if you were to say, well, what have we got that the competitors don't have in terms of capabilities? Nobody knows that better than your product team. That's, that's what they do all day in and out is figure out, you know, how are we figuring out capabilities that we got that the other folks don't have? So if I don't involve sales and I don't involve product, well, you know, I, I'm actually not pulling in the best sources of information inside the company to help me actually build that positioning. For success is another one, like customer success. You know what they know? They know what we're selling that we can't actually do. <laughs> and we do that a lot in B2B, you know, sometimes your sales team is out there selling something, or maybe even the product team says, oh yeah, this is a great thing, you know, and then sales gets selling it. And then customer success is like, oh yeah, actually in practice, that doesn't work at all. And so it's good to have that voice in the room when we're deciding what the positioning should be. And then you've got the CEO, the founder, you know, often gets brought into big deals. If there's a big deal ha happening, often they want to look the founder, the CEO in the eye. The founder CEO is out raising money and other things. And so if we're not in alignment there either, we're kind of in trouble. So I think that when you're doing a positioning exercise, you need to get this cross-functional team together in the room to work on it. And then I think what happens with the positioning after we're done with it, it spreads across the whole organization as well. Okay, so we know that positioning is a company-wide activity, but April, how do we know when we're finished? When are we done? We never get to this final positioning. Like we're, we're not sitting down and carving it into the rocks and saying, that's it, we're, we got it. We're never gonna touch it again. Damn it. Of course it's going to change, right? It's going to change because your product's going to change. So you're going to build new stuff or you'll do an acquisition or you do something that will change the value that you can deliver. That's going to change your differentiated value. That's going to change your positioning. You're going to have the competitive landscape is always changing. So you're going to have a new competitor show up and they can do what you do. And what was differentiated last week isn't differentiated anymore now. And then you also have things that are completely out of your control that can change buyer behavior. So all 
of a sudden we have a recession <laughs> and everybody's really interested in saving money and not so interested in growth anymore. And that's going to change your value proposition and how that hits with your customers. When I was internal as a VP marketing, I would be checking in on my positioning every six months. I'd get that cross-functional team together again. We'd get everybody together and we'd say, look, competitive alternatives, anything changed here? Are we seeing any competitors we didn't see before? Differentiated capabilities. You know, has anybody caught up to us on this stuff? And so it's not differentiated anymore. Have we released something new that delivers different value? If the differentiated value hasn't changed, then we don't touch the positioning. It's fine. See you in six months. But if any of those things have changed enough that it's going to change our differentiated value, then yeah, we got to go back and look at the positioning. The crazy thing is, is we can't predict how much it's going to change because like I've had product of products that I've worked on where, well, actually very first product I ever repositioned, which was 25, I don't know, tons of years ago is now owned by SAP. And if you go on that webpage, that positioning looks almost identical to the last positioning we had for that product when I worked on it like 20 years ago. I have another product that I worked at that we had this beautiful positioning and it was all around MySQL. We had a strategic relationship with MySQL and it was just, oh, so good. And six months later, they get acquired by Sun and it was like, oh crap. And then we all had to get all together to readjust the positioning. And then that worked really good for like, I don't know what it was, six months, maybe not even that much. And then freaking Sun gets acquired by Oracle. And not only did they get acquired by Oracle, but Oracle's making all these noises like, oh, we're, maybe we're gonna get rid of MySQL. I don't even know. And then we had to really go back to the drawing board on the positioning. So there we are, three different positions in 18 months. And we could have never predicted any of that stuff. So whenever you sit down to do one of these positioning exercises, you don't really know how long it's potentially gonna last. The final question that I asked April is one that I've been asked personally as a B2B marketing consultant by some of my clients, which is, is positioning just not the same as messaging? Can we take the results of that document, that positioning canvas is what April calls it in her book, and just plaster it onto the website? My typical answer is to roll my eyes, stand up, and immediately leave the room. I'm joking. Uh, but April had a few choice thoughts to share. This is probably the, the worst part about being the positioning consultant is nobody knows what positioning is. But in particular, people often confuse positioning and messaging. If you were to come to me and say, April, we need messaging. Yeah, please build me some messaging. I would say, sure, sure. Sounds good. Who's the messaging for? And, you know, and if we're going to do messaging, we're talking about our differentiated value. So what is the value and who are we differentiated against? And, you know, there's a set of fundamental inputs that go into that messaging. I can't, I don't just write the messaging from thin air. And so positioning defines that stuff. So positioning defines how we're the best in the world at delivering some kind of value that some well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. I have to have that positioning as an input to messaging. I need it as an input to branding. I need it as an input, my whole go-to-market strategy. I need it as an input to building a sales pitch. Like there's a whole bunch of things. So, you know, if, if we think about, we got all this stuff we're doing in marketing and sales, that's the house. Positioning is the foundation upon which the house is built. 
And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a rating and a review in your podcast directory of choice. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, I'm on them all. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, www.b2b-better.com, where you can learn about my strategic marketing advisory firm and all the services I offer from fractional CMO work to marketing sprints to marketing audits and marketing mentorship and coaching. If you have a marketing challenge that you seem to be stuck on, you can book a free totally no strings attached consultancy call with myself the link is in the description of this episode you can book it it's on calendly it takes two seconds or you can email me jason at b2b-better.com i would just love to hear from you what you think about the podcast anything that i'm not talking about i should be talking about an episode that you loved a guest i should interview i want to hear it all i want to be connected with you speaking of which you can find me on twitter at jason r bradwell or on linkedin jason bradwell i've got the bright yellow profile picture you can't miss me see you next time